Hey, welcome back to the GamerNode Show. I'm Eddie Inzotto, your host and editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com. You're listening to the GamerNode Show, episode 73, and I am here once again with Bianca Figueroa-Santana. How's it going, Bianca? It's going well, thanks. How are you? Uh, pretty awesome. We've played some pretty cool stuff lately. I think I'm very excited about what 2017, the remainder of 2017, holds for us in board gaming. So we have a lot ahead of ourselves this year. But as for today, we are going to focus on one game that we've played recently and give you an official GamerNode review of the Manhattan Project, Energy Empire, affectionately known as Energy Empire. So we played Energy Empire a few times, got a good feel for it. I uh, got to try out a little different sorts of strategies as we went through the game, and uh, we've come away with some thoughts about it, and this will be our review. First of all, Energy Empire is a game by Minion Games, and it it bears the name Manhattan Project on the box, and um, it's not really the same as the Manhattan Project game that was previously released by Minion Games. It's sort of using that branding, but it's an entirely different game by different designers. It has a few similarities in some of the artwork, some of the components, and uh, the fact that it's a worker placement game where you can either put your workers out or take them back. But otherwise, I think it's very different. It focuses on... What does it focus on? It focuses on generating energy while trying to keep your world safe and healthy by getting rid of or avoiding pollution, which is somewhat difficult. Yeah, I, I really dig that, that sort of theme. Not, not so much generating energy, but the idea that pollution is a big part of the things that you're managing in this game, which, you know, being someone who cares about the environment and I see all these different games like Coal Baron and Crude, the oil game, and you know, Power Grid, everything's about... Well, I guess Power Grid has some clean energy in it, too. I know, but, um, I was about to get mad at you. Yeah, but like, there's so many games about these fossil fuels, and it's kind of gross. Like, I don't even want to play games that are about coal, and there are so many games that are just about mining coal, and I hate it. But <laughs> the, the point here is that you can actually run a pretty clean operation, and I like that. I agree. I always like games that are a commentary on our world um, and have something to say about it. So I appreciate that it really does focus on the environment, which is uh, an issue that is also dear to my heart. Um, although I think I am a little bit more willing to go beyond my comfort zone with games because I do consider them to be sort of a fantasy part of my life. So it doesn't bother me so much if I'm playing a game that is about oil drilling. Um, but I see your point. I appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, aside from that, the game, it's a solid game. It's got really interesting and cohesive and coherent mechanics, and they all work together uh, fairly well. We'll we'll talk about that in more depth later. But first, why don't we uh, just talk about how the game works. So it's, as I said, it's a worker placement game, and each player will be using a combination of workers and energy to do various things to build their engine by buying buildings and gaining dice that help them create energy and earn points in a variety of ways um, 
not the least of which is by collecting these achievement tiles. But um, on a given turn, you can either do a work turn if you have workers to use, or a generate turn if you are out of workers, if they're all on the board and you want to get them back, or if you are just ready to collect some more energy dice or pick up achievements or whatever. So the first thing you do is do a work turn, and that's just standard worker placement. So how does a work turn actually work? The way that the work turn works is that you have three different markets. You have the government market, the industry market, and the commerce market. And they're designated by three um, separate open notebooks in terms of the illustrations on the board. Um, and they each allow you to do a series of actions. And what you do is you take your little workers and you put them on a space. Uh, and clearly that designates you're going to use that space. The one twist is that you can box people out of a space um, theoretically by putting a worker on there because every time someone wants to subsequently use that space, they have to put a worker plus one energy. Um, so if you have two workers already there, for example, they'll need to put a worker and two energy, um, so on and so forth. So I guess I can give a couple of examples. For the government market, you have scientific research, education, and cleanup. So those allow you to, for example, cleanup allows you to get rid of um, pollution on your board. For the industry market, you have mining, oil drilling, and chemistry. I'm not sure which one of those you like, Eddie, since they all seem to sort of push your buttons um, mm -hmm. in terms of not being environmentally friendly. Uh, and then the last market is finance buy, sell, oil, and trade. So those are the things that you can do um, as actions, and in addition, you can buy buildings. If you decide to buy a building in one of the markets, you're going to pay the cost, and you're going to put it in your tableau. And the interesting thing is that depending on the market from which you purchase the building, it's going to allow you to activate cards that you already have. So if I buy a market, um, excuse me, a building from the government market, which is designated green, all green cards that I already have in my tableau are now potentially activated. So I can pay the cost to activate them and get the benefit of that card. And the great and interesting thing is that the cards really do create a cascade. It's, it, is, it has an engine building component. And so you can end up having a turn that's pretty, pretty extensive where you're accomplishing a lot. Um, and uh, likewise, if you buy something from the industry market, you get to activate all your brown industry cards from the commerce market, all your yellowish commerce cards. Um, and some examples just uh, for clarity's sake is let's say you're activating a government structure. For one energy, you can clean up one of your pollution and earn a barrel of oil or use a steel um, component to get a research token and a victory point. Whereas an industry structure may allow you to trade in a plastic uh, component for research and $2, for example. Um, so those are those are some of the really cool aspects of the game is really amassing those, um, those buildings and using them in tandem during your turn. And, and even more than that is that it's not only when you purchase a building in one of these markets, it's any time you take any action on any of these three different sections of the board, you'll be able to activate all of your structures from that section. So even if you took the basic action in the uh, government section of scientific research, you could then activate all your green government buildings as well. And one thing we didn't mention is that 
each player is actually a specific country from around the world. And at the beginning of the game, you get a what's called the United Nations card. It's a, your country's flag, some of your starting resources, because every country starts with different resources, so sort of different strengths at the beginning of the game. And uh, that card has a particular set of resources or money or, or things you can give to the supply of the game to move your player marker up on the United Nations track, which is a point scoring mechanism in the game. So that UN card that you have can be activated on any turn, so long as you've taken an action out on the board, you can also activate your UN card. So for example, the the United States, I'm not sure exactly what they are, but you know, a, a country that has a lot of money, the United States might give money to the UN and go up on the UN track. Iraq, the on United the other States, hand... The United States is a barrel of oil and two coins. There you go. Iraq, on the other hand, is uh, a bunch of oil, I think, which mm-hmm. makes perfect thematic sense. I, I like the way that works. And also, the things that they start with makes thematic sense as well. Mm-hmm. But those are other things that can be activated in a turn along with your main player action out on the board. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like the thematics of it a lot, like you said. So that's a work turn. And if you don't have workers left, or if you have some saved, a combination of two workers or energy tiles can buy you an additional achievement from the little achievement area. Three will be on display at all times, and they'll give you points at the end of the game like little multipliers for specific things. Like maybe you'll get points for the number of workers you have, or you'll get points for uh, the number of drills that you have out in your on your player board, or you'll you'll get points for spaces traveled on the UN track, or dice, or or any number of things. There are a ton of these. They do all cap at a maximum of five points each, and you can only have five of them. So the maximum there is twenty five, and players will determine whether they want to go for that maximum amount or settle for less. But anyway, if you have those extra workers and or extra energy, you can buy one of those at at the beginning of a generate turn. And then the crux of the generate turn is pulling back your workers to your board, discarding any energy that you've used to take those actions. You know, if if you've had to add energy to workers in order to be able to take a space out on the board. You'll discard all that and then you will roll the energy dice that you've collected. And this is one of the actions you can take during the work phase is you can place out in one of the areas and collect a particular die by giving in a particular set of resources. And there are five different types of dice, each one bearing a different number of energy icons on each of the six faces as well as either having pollution or or no pollution or in the case of the nuclear die nuclear pollution which is extra bad so at this point you'll take up all your dice or as many of your dice as you want and roll them and then the number of lightning bolt symbols shown on the dice will be how much energy you collect for your next round of work turns And 
the die showing the highest number, it also has a, a number one through six, um, will be the die that determines whether you are taking pollution that round. So if the highest number die has pollution on it, you'll take that particular type of pollution and place it somewhere on your player board. So it's really interesting the way that works because you can choose to buy a bunch of green energy or clean energy. There's solar and there's hydrogeo, and neither of those two dice provide any pollution. So you won't be making as much energy, but you'll always be free of having to add pollution to your board. And then there's the petroleum die, which you don't purchase during the work rounds, but you can use temporarily by converting your oil barrels and quickly burn that die and uh, use the energy and then put it back in the reserve. So on these generate turns, you'll be getting your workers back, stocking back up to your maximum number, getting the amount of energy shown on the dice, and potentially picking up an achievement to work on for future rounds. And then that's that turn. Um, you'll clear off all of your structures. And if you do take pollution, it will come off of what's called the global impact track. So this is another variable setup portion of this game in which players will shuffle up a couple of sets of cards, global impact cards, and lay them face down nearby the board. Uh, three green global impact cards and three red global impact cards and each time a stack of pollution tokens comes off of the board where they are placed on that global impact track in a variable number based on the amount of players um, when you get to the end of that stack you'll flip over the first global impact card and then you get to the end of the next one you flip over the next global impact card. And the first three are generally good. They have some decent effects. They help you out based on certain things, certain conditions you may have met on your player board. Um, they will almost always recycle one of the different structure markets, and they will almost always score a particular row on your environment, which is a portion of your player board a grid showing land, sea, and air, and each space will earn you points. So each space, if uncovered at the end of the game, will earn you a point. Right. Um, and on the last three cards, the red ones, those will do pretty nasty things uh, generally to all the players around the board. It'll be like, a, as they say, a global impact. So it affects everyone in the game and it'll give you some detriment until the next global impact card comes out. Prices may go up pollution may come out and you have to take that if you take particular actions, various things like that. And it's really interesting that this is always variable, so you really never know what's coming out unless you take particular actions within the game that let you sneak a peek at something that is coming up in the future. So that's super interesting. That's a generate turn. There's lots going on. And then you get back to get back to work. So I, I did mention the player board a little bit, but I think, Bianca, you could tell us in more detail what's going on on your player board. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, so you have a rectangular player board, and in the top left-hand corner, as Eddie said, you have your environment. And that is basically a, a five-by-three grid um, with three rows, and each row 
is either land, sea, or sky. And the pollution that you take from the board throughout the game, you are going to have to decide where to place that pollution on your environment board. So you don't, for example, have to start in the upper left-hand corner and there's no adjacency rule or anything like that. Um, it's, it's wise to think about how you're going to space them out because on the global impact cards, as again, Eddie said, you're going to generally earn points for a specific um, row of your environment. And so covering all your sky um, uh, boxes, for example, may cost you five points on, at some point when a global impact card is turned over. Um, but in any case, what you can do throughout the game is to remove the pollution in the environment. We talked about that, so I'm not going to go over it again. Um, next to the environment portion of your player board, there's a little box for your achievements where you just keep your little achievements stacked. You have a worker area to place your workers. Um, below that, you have a box that tells you which die, which type of um, die corresponds to how much energy you get and how much pollution you get. Uh, and then to the right of that, you have spaces for um, five die. So that's you max out at five die, five dice, excuse me, purchasing five dice. And each of those is worth two points at the end of the game. And then along the bottom, you have space for your resources, money, plastic, steel, scientific research tokens, and barrels of oil. So they have nice little places for you to stack those and keep track of them. Yeah, I love that. I love whenever a game can give you a nice, neat, organized, obsessive, compulsive, disordered <laughs> situation in front of me on the board where I can keep all my things. It's great. Yeah, oh, I and agree. let's talk about these components too. Like the resources, they're not just cubes, are they? No, no, no. They're <laughs> like actual resin barrels of oil painted brown and black. You know, they look really nice. They're they're I-beams, silver I-beams of steel. They are little plastic pink translucent cubes for plastic. And then they're regular cardboard money. And I'm kind of disappointed about the science tokens, to be honest. With everything else being so nice, the science tokens are just little cardboard discs. They could have been something, I guess. Right? Beakers, like yeah. tiny beakers or something. That would be crazy, but I mean, overall, I think the components are pretty cool. I agree. Yeah. I think the components are are really are really nifty. Is the word that I would use. Yeah, it really aids in the thematics of the game, and I think I think the game is pretty thematic. Like you really feel like you are engaging in the activity that the theme suggests. It doesn't feel like this is pasted on. Am I am I right? Do you agree with that? I agree with that. I think it's thoroughly thematic. Um, so that's, I mean, that's basically the whole game, right? That you go to the end of that global impact track, pull off the last of the pollution tokens, the game ends, and everybody scores for their buildings, the spaces on their environment that they've revealed, the number of dice they've collected, the achievements they've collected, uh, and I think, I think that's pretty much everything. Oh, and they're, and they're standing on the UN track, being another mm -hmm. big one. Um, so it's sort of a little point salad -y thing. Uh, you can get points in a lot of different ways, and the player with the most points, they win. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that. So, um, okay. So now that we've described it, how do you how do you feel about the game? What what are your 
What do you like? What are your criticisms? I have overall positive feelings about the game. Um, I've watched some other reviews that were just gushing over the game, and I definitely don't feel compelled to gush over the game. But I do think it's I do think it's really great. I think that the theme does a lot for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it really drives the game. And some worker placement games, um, worker placement games aren't always my personal favorite because I feel like I'm literally just placing pieces of cardboard and taking them back, which is literally what I'm doing. And without a theme, it seems boring. Um, so I think the theme really carries this in terms of a worker placement game. I like how much you can get done on a turn. If you're activating a series of cards of a certain color, you can really get a lot done. And that feels very exciting and very productive. And I love that. Um, maybe maybe you should also talk about what you feel positive about before I start giving my, my minor critiques. Mm. Um, well, I think I kind of covered the things that I really like. I, I like the theme, and I found that the first time I played the game, I was much more likely to, let's say, gush. Not not that I would gush, but um, I felt really positive about the game from the outset. The theme being a really positive component of the game, the, the actual physical components. You know, the production quality is really good. I like those variable starting resources. That's interesting. Different ways to go up the the UN track. I like the player boards. I like the organization. I like the options to generate either clean or dirty energy. I like the the tactile nature of uh, Mm. managing your environment, the choices available to you of where you want to place your pollution or take it off, Um, the choices of those dice, the choices of when you want to add more workers to your worker pool versus do you want to spend a lot on getting a lot of energy, um, all the different buildings you can get. I like the ability to buy buildings in, you know, maybe buy multiple buildings in one area and then take a single turn and cascade, you know, five actions from just one turn. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, there are some drawbacks to that, which I could mention in a moment after you get to what you were about to say. But, um, I think that that really covers a lot of the positives. I I like the idea of achievements as well. The, um, the fact that you have those multipliers. I really like when players are able to get goals that are specific to themselves that other players aren't going for. I think that makes the game a little bit more variable for every player and for every time you play. Um, but anyway, so that's, yeah, that's me. Go ahead and tell us, uh, what you were about to lead into. I think we've talked about it. I think we have the same or similar critiques. One thing that I don't like is the way that certain points are limited. So achievements, um, correct me if I'm wrong, each achievement only allows you to get a max of five points, and then you max out at five achievements, correct? So the achievements only are ever going to get you 25 points, and that to me was a little bit of a letdown, to be honest, because I don't like that artificial constriction of what I can do in terms of earning points, and I understand that through playtesting this is probably... You know, this is a balancing mechanism, but I just don't like it. Um, yeah. Games are generally pretty tight in uh, Energy Empire, I would say. Yeah, that's correct. But is it artificial, I guess, is the question. Because even, 
you said the achievements give you a max of 25. Pollution, if you keep a clean environment, that's going to give you a maximum of 21. You know, the mm -hmm. UN is either going to be 20 points if you're in first place or a max of 15 if you're any other player. The dice are always going to give you a maximum of 10. So there are all these hard ceilings to the point values for things. And especially in the achievements, there's no way to go with maybe one or two achievements and then go all in on a particular strategy that is unique to that game and max out, maybe say get 40 points by amassing an oil empire um, and neglecting your environment, losing those 20 points, you know, not re really buying other dice, neglecting that, not really caring about the UN, neglecting that, but amassing as many points as you can from your particular strategy. A lot of the game seems like players will often be generalists because the game seems to encourage that. Yeah, I agree. And there are certain things that you really need to go for. And I think that's common in, in games. That's not something that's entirely unique to this game but the united nations for example that track being worth 20 points it's like if you can just bang that out and get up to 20 that's a huge lead um and and that's something that i always feel like i do need to go for um so yeah those hard limits i'm not a huge fan of it i feel like at least for me it creates um less of an incentive for creativity and it's almost very a mathematic there's almost a mathematical ability to maximize your point value in a way that makes it a little more clinical and sterile for me um and that, that is my that's my biggest turnoff for the game and i have to be honest it's a turnoff that's big enough for me to consider playing another game over this game where i can where i can have that more creative um uh strategizing yeah where where the outcome of the game or the the gameplay the strategy of the game is less known to you right at the beginning you right. generally know how the a game of energy empire is pretty much going to play out um, right and i think I, we didn't say this but i think the one thing that we learned when we were playing is the best way the only way that you don't max out is with the buildings so right. each building is worth a certain number of points um and so that's really the only unlimited point, uh, point source. Um, so I felt during games that that's what I was going for, that I was just going to build yeah. the max number of buildings possible because all of my other point options were capped. Right. And in that sense, it's imbalanced. Yeah. Right. If you, if you go into a game and you know that, and all you do is buy every building of a single color and then take one action, use all of your energy and workers, and then immediately generate again and just keep doing that, you're going to be gaining ground much faster if you're, if you're combining the right types of actions, plus you're gaining points for those buildings. You will be adding pollution to your area, but if, that's, if a cleanup action is part of your building engine, then it's going to right itself anyway. So in that way, you'll be able to move very quickly and it'll help you also go up the UN track faster because you'll be generating more often. It'll help you get more achievements faster because you'll be generating more often. So it seems like there is a path of least resistance to winning this game. And if you were to try to build different structures of all the different types, 
you're going to have more interesting actions available to you. Like maybe not more interesting, more diverse, a more diverse set of actions available to you, but you won't be able to activate them as much or as satisfyingly because you'll be able to do like two on a turn instead of mm-hmm. 17, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I do, I mean, I do like the game. I think it's a good game, it's solid, but I think there could have been some changes to, I don't want to say balance it better, but but to uh, to make some of these elements, some of these different aspects of the game work in such a way that they contrast each other equally and they allow players to use the strengths of each portion of the game individually instead of all as one yeah i agree with that i also think that in a um in a lower player count game the the building markets suffer because a lot of the Mm. buildings stay up there and they they remain stagnant until a global impact card refreshes them so at the maximum player count which i believe is five um you see a lot more buildings uh it and it refreshes a lot better and you get more choices you see a lot more achievements as well so you get a lot more choices there and i think that's great i think this game plays best with more players of course it'll take longer but i think it it gives you a better amount of interaction and i think it gives you a better amount of choice oh, and that's mm-hmm. another thing we didn't mention um in a two-player game which we did play uh some of the markets, the the building markets specifically, have energy all, or have a, a neutral worker already out there so that just to place on there for the first time, you have to use a worker and an energy. Whereas normally, any worker placement spot on the board, you would start with a single worker and the next player would have to put a worker and an energy. So it, it ramps that up a little bit. And I don't know if we mentioned this. Another good thing about the game is that so worker placement games historically have been about um, action drafting. So you're placing your worker into a space and that becomes your action that you get to do and other players cannot do it. You have essentially called dibs. You've claimed that action for yourself for that round. And then certain other games have added ways to change that. One example being Euphoria, Build a Better Dystopia. You could add your die where another player's die was, push their die off and, and give it back to them so you, you benefit them a little, but you do get to take that action. So in this game, the fact that it gives you the option to take a space that's already been taken, but you have to pay more to do it is, I think, a really good design element. And the idea that a player could, a player who is rich in energy could just start right off the bat on an empty board, be like, four energy and one worker, I'm going here. You guys can't suck it. You know, like, I think that's cool to be able to artificially inflate that and lock players out, even though the game provides a mechanism for players to still take actions, even though players have already placed there. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to sound that negative about the game. I think it's a, that's a good game. Definitely a good game. Um, So, if that's, I mean, if that's everything we have to say, do you have anything more or you just want to give your final verdict? I am ready to give my final verdict. I give this a four. A four out of five on the Gamer Node scale. Let me, uh... I think it's a great game. I would recommend that people own it. 
I wouldn't recommend that people go out on the eve of its release, its theoretical release, which has already occurred, but and and buy it. But I do think that it's a great game. I think with this one, I might have to go with a th- three. I think wow. it's a good game. It's likable. It's positive play experience. Uh, I don't think it's revolutionary, um, but but it's good. It's entertaining. It's solid. It's got good mechanisms. And some people will love it. Some people will not love it. But I think it's definitely good. I think the the scoring environment sort of got to me after multiple plays. I think the first play, the novelty of it, it seems amazing. And then I think after you sort of pull back the curtain on the way the scoring works, play after play, I think it loses some of its luster and reveals itself to not be as nuanced and dynamic as I once thought it was and as other games may be. That's fair. Yeah, that's what we aim to be. So that's uh, that's Manhattan Project, Energy Empire. Oh, one more note about the Manhattan Project branding. I I really think, I mean, in every review you'll ever hear about this game, you'll probably hear a reviewer say, why did they say it's Manhattan Project? Why did they put that branding? And, I mean, I understand it's to, to breed familiarity in their customer base, but it's it's not really the same game. It's not the same type of game. So I think it's a little misleading, and not in a bad way, but just that you're you're not getting the same thing out of this that you're getting out of Manhattan Project, the game. And, you know, it could be a good thing. It could gain a lot of customers based on their preference for Manhattan Project, but it could turn people away if they didn't like the Manhattan Project. And I know some people who have loved the game, the original Manhattan Project, and I know people who have hated it. So I don't know how that worked out for Minion. I hope more players were attracted to the game because of the branding than were turned away. But I, I don't know, I just, I don't really get the, um, the choice to do that. Anyway, that's not for us to really care about. That's their internal marketing department, for sure. All right, so that's the Manhattan Project, Energy Empire. Clean energy, man. Go for it. <laughs> yes, keep it clean. Now let's come out boxing. If you know that reference, I applaud you. All right, so this has been episode 73 of the GamerNode Show podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please do give us a rating on iTunes and even leave us a few words in a review. It'll really help us out, get us a little bit more visibility if you like the podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. And, of course, check out our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at GamerNode. Like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash GamerNode. And uh, always keep it here. Keep coming back. We're going to have lots of video reviews coming at you, more podcasts, and everything that comes with that. And actually, right now, I should mention, we are running a contest. We're giving away a prototype copy of the Dungeons of Infinity board game from Infinity and More. And I have a Kickstarter preview review video up live right now. Uh, You can check that out on our YouTube channel. And if you want to just take a look at the contest and all the ways to enter, just go to GamerNode.com DOI, and that will give you the review video and the contest all in one. 
So definitely check that out. Share it as much as you can. The more you share, the more entries you get. And with that, I'm done. Thanks for listening. I'm Eddie Inzato, and I'm here with... Bianca Figueroa Santana. And we thank you very much for listening. See you later. Bye. Thank you.